Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning. Welcome to Silverdale Baptist Church. It's so awesome to see all of you here worshiping with us today. I'd like to welcome all of you here at our Bonnie Oaks campus. I'd like to also welcome those of you that are at our Creekside service, North Udawa campus, St. Elmo, um, our new Bridges service, and all of you that may be worshiping online. If I haven't had a chance to meet you personally, I'm Tony Wallace. I'm one of the pastors here at Silverdale, and I have the privilege today to share with you God's Word. So this one I want to encourage you to do. Go and take your Bibles and open up to the Gospel of John. That's the fourth book in the New Testament, John chapter 14. That's going to be the beginning passage of what we're going to be looking at today. But I encourage you to go ahead and take out these Bible study outlines as well, because we'll be looking at a number of passages today. And so this way you can follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. As most of you know, um, this past week our church lost a um, key leader, Bakita Heath. And um, Bakita has, uh, was a part of our church and ministry, oversaw our women's um, ministry, was a key leader in a number of other ministries that we have in our church. And her passing, her death, left a huge hole in our heart, in our church, and obviously her family. And so we just encourage you to pray for us as we move forward as a church, as a staff. But we want to pray especially for um, her family right now. So will you please join with me? Gracious Father, I am so thankful for your servant, Bakita, and our sister. I thank you for her life and testimony. I'm thankful for her passion for you and your word. And I'm thankful for her family. And I pray for Bo, and I pray for her children, that, Lord, that you would bless them and empower them and fill them with your comfort and grace. Help us as a church as well. Lord, we are here confessing that you are good and you are great, and we trust you and love you and look to you uh, for our days ahead. And now, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, will you please allow me to teach, not for my fame, but for your fame and glory? And I pray that my brothers and sisters here would be strengthened in their faith, and those that may not know you would come to faith today. Lord, speak. We're listening. We pray this for your glory now in Jesus' name. Amen. As most of you know, we are in this series called Reasons to Believe. And in this series, what we're doing, we're sort of looking at, okay, what are the logical and biblical reasons why we believe what we believe? I mean, our culture looks at us and goes, do you guys really believe that, right? And so we start off by saying, is there biblical, is there logical reasons, scientific reasons to believe that there's a God? And I showed you that there was. 
The second week we talked about, okay, can we really trust this Bible as the word of God? And I showed you evidences why you can. Last week we talked about Jesus being the son of God. Is is he really the son of God? And so we showed you evidences and the ultimate evidence is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But today's topic is a topic that raises more blood pressures than any other topic. It is the one that infuriates more people than anyone else because as Christians, we say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. But it's not just us who say that. Jesus is the one who said that. I mean, check it out. Look at the passage in John chapter 14, beginning verse six. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you notice those definite articles, the? Jesus says, I am the way. I'm not a way, not multiple ways. No, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. In fact, just in case we missed it, he then says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we may go, well, maybe we misunderstood what Jesus said. Well, guess what? The early church said the same thing. Notice what the apostles said in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, the book of Acts is the history book of the early church. Acts 4, the apostles said this, verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so Jesus claimed to be the only way. The early church and the apostles said Jesus is the only way. And throughout the centuries, the church has declared that Jesus is the only way. Now, today in our culture, if we say Jesus is the only way, well, people are going to look at us and go, you're, you're just a bunch of narrow-minded bigots, right? I mean, notice how one agnostic put it. He said, Christians are a small minority in the world. Approximately four of every five people on the face of the earth believe in gods other than the Christian God. Are we to believe that only Christians are right? And so whenever you and I, we make this claim that Jesus is the only way, our world will say, well, you're being arrogant or you're being bigoted or narrow-minded or you are being intolerant. And, you know, in our culture today, in our woke culture today, intolerance is like the greatest evil and sin, isn't it? It used to be maybe murder and rape and stuff like that. No, it's you're being intolerant. Now, I believe that we should be tolerant, right? In, In what way? Well, if you have an opinion that disagrees with me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to respect you. I will. I may disagree with your opinion, but I'm still going to respect you as a person, okay? That's what it means to be tolerant. But today, tolerance has gone through a transformation. Tolerance today means this, that all beliefs, all lifestyles must be approved. You must accept my truth. And if you don't, you're being intolerant. And so we go, wait a minute, what about us? So you're not, you're not being tolerant of us. See, the only ones that it seems like the world's not being tolerant to are those who claim that we have an authoritative truth, which we call the Bible, right? And they'll say, no, 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 you're being intolerant. And so how do you respond to a culture like that, that claims that, you know what, our, our viewpoint is being too exclusive? Well, here's the reality. Jot this on your outline at your top of your outline. All truth claims are exclusive. Think about it. All truth claims are exclusive. Anytime anybody makes a claim, they are excluding somebody. If an atheist says there is no God, he has then excluded all those who believe there is a God. If whenever our culture says there is no absolute truth, no absolute right and wrong, they have excluded those in the culture that say, no, we believe there are absolutes right and wrong. 
I mean, it's really popular today that in our culture to say, you know what, there is no gender. It's just, that's just a social construct that you've put on us. And we say, no, I think the Bible says God created the male and female, right? I mean, they go, no, it's society. I say, no, it's science. It's culture. No, I say it's your chromosomes, right? And so the fact is, is that, listen, anytime somebody comes and says, this is what we think is true, they are going to be excluding someone. All truth claims are exclusive. But what our culture does is they, they say, okay, okay, we can see that in a lot of different areas, but with religion, you, you've got to um, say that all faith is equal. In fact, years ago, um, Bill O'Reilly, the political commentator, he made this statement. He said, the most important thing I can say about religion is that it is a good thing for all of us to have. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. And so basically what he's saying is, is that, hey, you know what? All religions are basically good. Doesn't matter really what you believe as long as you believe something. Why? Because our culture will say that basically all religion, all faith is equal. Really? You want to go there? You believe that all religions are equal? Are you telling me that the Branch Davidians and David Koresh molesting little children is on the same par as Jesus dying on the cross for your sins? I don't think so, right? And then they may push back and they go, okay, okay, okay. maybe not those kind of groups, but, but the five major religions, okay, you know, they're basically all equal. You know, they, they, they all say different things, they've got different paths going to the same way. All religion is basically the same. You know, whenever a person makes those kind of comments, they have revealed their ignorance because they are opposites. I mean, the, you know, the fact is, is that they're irreconcilable. I mean, think of, think of it like this. All the religions and their view of God. Buddhism doesn't even believe there's a personal God. Hinduism doesn't believe in a personal God. And yet they say that you can worship hundreds of deities. You have Islam, Christianity, and Judaism that all says there is one true God, but we all define God differently. The Christians believe in a triune God, and Jesus is God. And yet the, the Jewish and the you know, Islamic folks would say, no, no, Jesus is just a great prophet. Well, here's the deal. Somebody's got to be wrong, right? I mean, not all of those can be true. How about this? What happens when you die? Christians and Islam believe you will get to either heaven or hell. Hindus will say, that, okay, you're reincarnating. You just keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back in a different life form, maybe lower or higher based on your karma. And then you have some that say you just sort of absolve and you go into nothingness. Now, even a child would say, you can't do all three at the same time. Somebody's got to be wrong. In fact, here's the deal. The majority of somebody's got to be wrong. Now, that's not bigotry. That's just common math, right? I mean, it's just reality. But the biggest difference between Christianity and all the religions is how a person is saved. You see, all religions understand this. We got a problem. We are broken. How in the world are we going to solve this problem? And so Jesus says, I'll tell you how. Me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You see, the, um, the, the reality, the uniqueness of Christianity is found in the uniqueness of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is opposite than all the other religious leaders. Other religious leaders will say, follow me and I'll show you the truth. Jesus said, no, I am the truth. They'll, they'll say, follow me and I'll show you the way. Jesus says, no, I am the way. Follow me and I'll show you how to have life. Jesus said, no, only in me will you find life. 
And so, what's the big difference between Christianity and all other religions? It can be summed up in two words. Religions can be summed up with one word, Dio, do. You got to do. You got to work. You got to, you know, do these good works. So you, you've got to achieve these things. You got to go on this pilgrimage. You got to pray these prayers every day. You've got to do something to work your way into God's presence. Do. Christianity is spelled done. D-O-N-E. On the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. It's paid in full. It is done for you. And so now you have to receive Jesus Christ. That's the only way to go into heaven. You see, here's the deal. All truth claims are exclusive, including Christianity, including all truth claims, okay? We're not unique in that. But this is something that you need to know, that I believe that Christianity is the most inclusive of any other religion in the world. You go, how can you say it's the most inclusive? I'll tell you why. Because whenever you read through the Bible, you'll see certain words repeated over and over again. What are they? Whoever. Or everyone. Whosoever. Whosoever believes. Whosoever confesses. Whosoever prays. Whosoever repents, right, will be saved. And so Christianity is very, very inclusive. Let me prove it to you. Jot this on your outline. Number one, first of all, God reveals himself to everyone who lives. We believe that God reveals himself to everyone who lives. So the, one of the objections that people have saying, well, how can you say Jesus is the only way? What about those people on the other side of the earth that has never heard about Jesus? Or what about those um, people that lived before Jesus ever got here, right? Well, here's the deal. God in all times and all places has always been revealing himself to all of his creation. Always. God is always seeking after. In fact, look at what the Bible says. Psalm 98 two. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He's talking about the pagan nations. I mean, think of it like this. As a child, we played hide and seek, right? And so somebody was hiding and somebody was seeking. Well, that's what we do with God. See, we as humans, we're sinners. And so what do we do? We hide from God. Think about it. Adam and Eve in the garden. They sin against God. What do they immediately start doing? They start hiding from God. What does God do? God comes in the garden and he is seeking. That is the heart of Almighty God. Almighty God is always seeking after his creation, always. In fact, notice the mission statement of Jesus. Look what he said. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. We as humans, we get lost. We're sinners. We rebel against God. We, we hide from God. And God is always seeking after us and revealing himself to us. You go, in what way does God reveal himself? Well, several ways. Jot this on your outline. Number one, first of all, God reveals himself in our conscience. God reveals himself in our conscience. You see, you have an inner person. You have a mind. You have consciousness, right? And did you know that it is bent toward God? In fact, Time Magazine, several years back, ran an article called The God Gene. And they said, it's crazy, but it appears as though humans are hardwired to believe in God. See, no one is born an atheist. You have to be convinced to become an atheist. Why? Because we have a conscience. Look at how the Apostle Paul puts this in Romans chapter 1, verse 19. Paul writes, that which is known about God is evident within them, for God has made it evident to them. Now, we've all heard the story of Helen Keller. I mean, the poor girl, a little older than a toddler, 
has a very high fever. She then loses her ability to hear and see. And so from that day forward, the poor girl lived in absolute darkness. But then she had a teacher, Ann Sullivan, who somehow broke through, was able to communicate, and they were able to communicate back and forth, and then eventually Braille and other stuff like that. And so finally, after communication, Ann Sullivan wanted to tell Helen about God in Jesus Christ. And so after she explains God to her, this was Helen's response. She said, I've always known that he was with me. I just didn't know his name. You see, that's the thing. In our conscious, we do know there's a God and God tries to reach all of humanity through their conscience. Second way that God tries to reach humanity, jot this down. God reveals himself in creation. God reveals himself in creation. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. I mean, over the last two nights, social media just blew up with all the rainbows, right? Everybody like, look at the glory of God. This is awesome, right? And it's true. We see the glory, the hand of God. I mean, you see design, you know there has to be a designer. I mean, look at how the Apostle Paul puts this. In the next verse, Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, that is his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. See, no matter where a person finds himself, whether it's here in Chattanooga or the remotest village in India, God has been revealing himself to everyone through their conscience, through creation. But guess what else? In other ways. I mean, God has had pointers in every generation and every culture. In fact, notice how the Apostle Paul puts this. In Acts chapter 14, verse 16, he says this. In the generations gone by, he, God, permitted all the nations to go their own way. And yet, he did not leave himself without a witness. What does that mean? That means in every culture, in every civilization, God has always had some sign pointing to him. We see this a lot now happening in the Middle East. As you know, it's against the law to convert to Christianity there, so Christians are under intense persecution. And, um, and so God has to work supernatural ways to get people's attention. And I've heard dozens of stories personally. I've been in the Middle East and heard many Muslims tell me how God got their attention through a vision or dream. Um, there's a book that came out several years ago called The Persian Springs. It's about four Iranians who um, found themselves in a desert. They were dying. And they prayed one night, God, if there is a God, any God, whoever is the true God, would you please reveal yourself to us and show us how to be saved, rescued? That night, all four of these Iranians all had the exact same dream and how they could find a spring. And they were witness. I mean, they, they were saved. Well, it's the same way. I mean, um, I recently read a story of a Muslim man who was raised to kill, as he said, without any emotion or feeling. I would just be ordered and knew how to kill. Well, he started having this reoccurring dream with Jesus. Every night he had the same dream. So he told his mom, he says, I keep having this reoccurring dream that has Jesus in it. And um, she goes, you need to flee the country. Your brothers are going to kill you. And he goes, what do you mean? I, I'm not a Christian. I'm just having this dream. And she goes, no, if, if they find out you're having this dream, th they will kill you. And so he flees the country. He comes in contact with a businessman. That business, businessman tells him about Jesus Christ. He comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Today, he is smuggling back into his old country to tell other people about Jesus Christ. You see, the fact is, is that God is revealing himself. 
Now, we as humans, what do we do? We don't want to hear it. We don't want to see it. We're ignored. Why? We don't want to hear from God. We want to be our own God. We're so independent. We're doing we, God gives us signs and we ignore them. You see, the fact is, is no human on this planet is ever going to be able to stand before God one day and say, I didn't know. I didn't know. Have you ever tried that excuse on a policeman? I have. I can remember I was driving through an area. I think the speed limit was 45 miles an hour. I was probably going a little over 50. I get pulled over. He said, um, you're going 50 miles an hour in a school zone. And I'm like, a school zone? That was bad. This is a big hefty ticket I'm going to get. And I said, I didn't see any flashing lights. He said, there were no flashing lights, but there was a very prominent sign. And I said, but I didn't see it. I didn't know. I still got the ticket, right? Just because I didn't pay attention to it was not an excuse, right? All of humanity, listen, God has been seeking out and revealing himself to all of humanity. There is no excuse. Second thing that makes Christianity inclusive is this. Jot this down. God is found by everyone who seeks him. God is found by everyone who seeks him. And so it's almost like, okay, God says, okay, let's play hide and seek. You're hiding from me. I'm going to seek after you. But then he says, okay, I'm going to hide and you seek after me. The only thing is I'm not going to really hide that hard because as soon as you start to seek after me, you respond to the revelation I give you. I'm going to give you more revelation and more revelation so that you can find me. God wants to be found. In fact, notice what Jesus says, Matthew 7, 8. Here's a promise. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds to him who knocks, it'll be open. In the Old Testament, there's a similar promise. In Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so whenever you have a person that God's revealing himself and the person begins to seek after the Lord, God reveals more and more of himself to that person. We have an example of this in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 10, you have this guy called Cornelius. He's a Gentile. He's, he doesn't, he's not a follower of Christ, but he is called a God-fearer. And so what does that mean? That means that he has had revelation and he's responding to God based on that revelation. And so based on the Bible, God sent an angel in a dream to him, gave him a message, hey, go to this tanner's house, ask for this guy named Peter. He does that. Peter comes to his household. It happens to be the apostle Peter. He shares the gospel. His entire household comes to faith in Jesus Christ. You see, God's doing that all the time. We may not hear about it here in the States where you go, why don't we have those kind of visions and dreams here in the United States? Because we have the full revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a church on every corner here, okay? But in those places where they don't have those opportunities, God is going to those links. I mean, as most of you know, we have a missionary couple that's in the Middle East. I'm not gonna share their name because of security reasons. But he has told me hundreds of stories. And again, I, I witnessed, I had a chance to baptize several folks that have these extraordinary stories of how God got their attention and brought them to faith. He tells of this couple that he had led to faith. He said they were in another country. And, um, and so they started praying. They, they said, okay, is Jesus God or is Allah God? And so they, one night they prayed together that prayer. And that night, they both had the identical dream. They woke up, they shared the, their dream with each other, and this was their dream. They dreamed that there was this hill that overlooked their little town, and on the top of that hill was Jesus Christ. And they were up there in that hill with Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus was offering them communion, the bread and the wine. And he said that the, the elements of communion were in these beautiful, sparkling dishes. And then they woke up. And so when they woke up, the wife said, oh my goodness, why don't we go up to that hill, climb up there to the spot where we had the vision. And so they went up there to that very spot and they're looking around where, it, where they had that dream and they looked down and there were the exact dishes that they saw in the dream. And our missionary's like, wow, that's crazy. And then they pull out the dishes and show them to him. And he's like, these are the most spectacular dishes I've ever seen. They're obviously not from your country, right? And and then he shares the gospel and they come to faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, listen, I could give you story after story like that. You need to understand, we have a God who loves the world and he's seeking after the world. And as soon as somebody begins to seek after him, he will allow them to find him. But guess what? We gotta seek. We gotta choose him. We are so self-centered, so, you know, individualistic we want to worship ourselves and not him. And we wonder, well, why isn't God revealing himself to me? Because we don't seek him. That's why. Whether you're overseas or right here in Chattanooga, God reveals himself. But you've got to seek him. But then there's a third thing. It's this. Jot this down. God saves everyone who believes. God saves everyone who believes. See, don't get hung up in the fact that Jesus is the only way. You know what you need to get excited about? that God made a way. He didn't have to make a way, folks. He didn't. And yet he made a way. What is that way? It's found in John 3, 16. Jesus said this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, that's pretty inclusive, isn't it? Believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What does that say? That says that we worship a God who loves every person on this planet. And he does the unthinkable. He sends his only son, God in the flesh, Jesus walking among us. Why did Jesus have to come? I'll tell you why. Because we're a rebel race. We rebelled against him. We have sin in our heart. We want to go our own way. We've sinned against the holy God. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus Christ comes into our brokenness. And he lives the perfect life that you and I could never live as, as long as we tried. And then he does what? He dies the death that we deserve. The wages of sin is death. Jesus took our death for us. And to prove it, God raises him up from the dead. Folks, there is no other way. It has to be Jesus Christ. Apologist Greg Krokel um, tells of time that he was sharing his faith with a, um, an attorney. This guy happened to be a Jewish man. And he said, you know, um, I don't understand. Why do I need to believe in Jesus? I mean, I believe in God. I try to live a moral life. Why do I need to believe in Jesus? Well, Greg says to the attorney, he says, okay, do you believe that there are moral sins that should be punished? And he goes, well, I'm a prosecuting attorney. I guess I do. Yes, I do believe that. And Greg says, so do I. Now, here's a hard question. Have you ever committed any of those sins? And the guy goes, well, this is sort of personal, isn't it? And he goes, yes, I have. And Greg says, so have I. So you and I, we got a problem, don't we? we? We confess that we have sinned in these ways. We believe there should be some consequence for that. That's where Jesus Christ comes in. God gives us a pardon, but it's not on our terms, it's on his terms. It's Jesus Christ. God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty 
for our sins. Jesus took the rap for our crimes. Jesus did that. And so either we receive Jesus Christ or we pay for our crimes ourselves. Can I just tell you something? If Jesus is not the only way, then Jesus died in vain. I mean, think about it. Why in the world did Jesus have to die if he wasn't the only way? I mean, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying to the Father, Father, if there's any other way, allow this cup to pass from me. But there was no other way. Jesus Christ provided the only way. You see, every problem typically only has one solution, right? If you got a bad carburetor in your car, putting more air in your tires is not going to take care of the situation, right? You got a tumor in your body, taking an aspirin is not going to solve that problem. If you got a leaky faucet, you don't call an oncologist, you call a plumber. If you've got cancer in your body, you don't call a plumber, you call an oncologist, right? You see, the reality is, is that most ailments have one-of-a-kind cures, Where humanity has a singular problem. We are sinners. We have a rebel heart. We've rebelled against a holy God. And there is only one cure. God sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins. Jesus died on the cross in our place. Jesus did that. Muhammad didn't die for you. Buddha didn't die for you. Krishna doesn't die for you. Jesus of Nazareth died for you. Now listen to me. That is not being cruel. That is being loving. That that is not, you know, being bigoted. That is being gracious. I mean, think about it. If we really comprehended and understand the depths of our personal depravity and sin and the incredible magnitude of the sacrifice of the Son of God dying for our sins, if we understood those two things, we'd go, God, I can't believe you did this for me. Why in the world would Almighty God love a sinner like me? Why would Almighty God love a sinner like you like that? This is not bigotry. This is the grace of Almighty God that God went to such incredible lengths to reach us. That is what God's done. But you've got to choose, right? Look again at John 3.16. This time, let's put your name in it. For God so loved you that he gave his only son for you. That if you would believe in him, you would not perish, but you would have eternal life. That's the depths of God's love for you. But you've got to believe. You've got to choose. You've got to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. Only you can do that. God can reveal himself to you. God can say, okay, I'm going I'm to, you know, you seek me, you'll find me. But you've got to make the choice to believe. Now, I don't understand the the sovereignty and predestination of God and the free will of man. You know what? God's got that all figured out. I don't have to figure it out. All I know is this, is that God's given you a free will and he he will not violate it. He doesn't want robots, robots in heaven. You've got to make the choice personally. You've got to choose Jesus Christ. And based on that choice will determine your eternity. Notice how C.S. Lewis put it. He said, there's only two kinds of people in the world, in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. And you will spend eternity where you choose, right? All that are in hell, choose it. See, either right now, 
we humble our heart and bow our knee in this life and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I'm no longer the Lord. You are my Lord. And we are saved and reconciled with God. Or we rebel against God all of our days. And one day in the final end, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. At that point, Jesus is Lord. But at that point, it'll be too late. You've got to choose Jesus. He's the only way. Let me close with this. True story is one o'clock in the morning when Dr. Leo Winters received a phone call from the hospital. He was a um, renowned surgeon there outside of Chicago. There had been an accident. Child was desperate. They needed his skills. He gets up, gets in his car, starts racing to the hospital as fast as he can. He knew that, you know, the time was uh, urgent. So he he went through a section of town they typically would avoid because it was a pretty rough part of town. And he comes to a stoplight, and then suddenly as he stops, a man yanks open his door, grabs Dr. Winters, and begins to throw him out. This man had a gray hat, a dark flannel shirt. And Dr. Winters objects and says, no, 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 I'm in an emergency. I've got to get in my car. And the guy said, I don't care, throws him to the curb, and then, you know, gets in the car and races away. Dr. Winters um, gets on his phone and he calls for a taxi and it takes a long time and the taxi finally gets there and he gets there about 45 minutes later, but it is too late. The patient has died. When he comes in, the nurse says that the dad is in um, the chapel and he kept wondering, where is the surgeon? Where's the surgeon? He walks into the chapel and the man turns around, the dad turns around and he has a dark flannel shirt on holding a gray hat. And the man looks at the doctor and to his horror, he realizes his tragic mistake. He has literally pushed away the only man that could have saved his child. Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's not being exclusive. That is the extravagant love of Almighty God for you. But you've got to choose it. You've got to believe he's the only way. And when you do, God says, I will forgive you and save you. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, I thank you for your grace in our life. I thank you that you made a way. Lord, we don't deserve it and we know we don't deserve it. But Lord Jesus, thank you for making a way for us to even come to you right now. God, help us in our day, in this generation, in this place to be people that will seek after you first. Lord, even in this moment, help us to respond to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the Connect Card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.